Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. Mark chapter 6 and verse 41. And in the middle of that scripture, and break the loaves. And break the loaves. There was a little fella. And he was at school. And his teacher was teaching him math. And he said, okay, little Johnny, you've got a dollar. He said, okay. And he said, your dad, you ask him for two dollars. And he said, okay. He said, how many do you have? How many dollars? The little boy thought. One dollar. And, and the teacher said, no, no. Let me, let me say this again. You have a dollar. He's like, mm-hmm. You ask your dad for $2. He said, okay. He said, how many dollars do you have? One dollar. And the teacher said, you know, little Johnny, you just don't understand math. And little Johnny said, you just don't understand my dad. You know, my daughter's got a sweet look, but it doesn't always work. In fact, we have a gesture when I kind of lift my hands up. It's the gift of no. It just, uh, it comes right out like this. I don't even have to say anything. No. No. You know, I believe all of our kids need that gift once in a while. No. Gift. No. Just give them a gift of no. You don't even have to say it. Teach them a little special, uh, a special gesture that they can know. Why? Because we love them. Amen. We want them to have good things, and good things are sometimes a no. It's an answer, right? Amen. Amen. When you have something, I'd like to preach on the thought of a message. Watch out. He'll break it. Watch out. He'll break it. You know, when you have something breakable, and you give that thing to a two-year-old, or a five-year-old, or maybe some adults. Okay, some adults. (laughs) You may hear, be careful, he'll break it, she'll break it. Inevitably, that precious thing will now be in many more pieces all over the floor or it's going to be broken in the child's hands, right? Well, lives are full of broken things, broken trust, broken relationships, and maybe things that bring us to tears. But it says of Jesus after he received that bread, And after he received those fishes, he began to bless them. But then he did something that we might think is reserved for a child or a careless adult. But you see, Jesus isn't a child and he's not careless. Everything Jesus does is on purpose. Have you ever gone through something and you're like, God, why? You ever done that? And then years later, you're like, oh. (laughs) And God opens up your heart to the reason that you went back. And went through something. You see, God does everything on purpose. I remember years ago, there was an illustration given by some women who were in a concentration camp. They weren't Jews, but they were in a concentration camp in World War II. And they were there because they hid Jews. So that they were put in the concentration camp. They were Christian. But they were put in concentration camp with the Jews. And they were, uh, in fact, one sister died. 
but there were fleas in their barracks. They stayed in a big room full of beds, and there were fleas in there. Well, someone had snuck a Bible in, and so they would get this Bible out. It was contraband. They weren't allowed to have it. And they would have Bible studies and people were coming to Jesus and, and finding out about his love. And uh, so they were taught to be thankful. And someone said, thank God for the fleas. Like, thank God for the fleas? I mean, preacher, that's crazy, right? Well, later they found out that the reason that the guards never came into their barracks was because of the fleas. And they were able to have Bible study. And they were able to talk about Jesus. Brethren, they found out later, thank God for the fleas. God does everything for a purpose. And so if you're going through something, give God a chance. Give God some time and space to explain to our hearts why we're going through a situation that we might think is broken. But you know that one preacher said, I learned the lesson long ago, but need to remind myself of it constantly that God makes only what he breaks and breaks only what he wants to make. If you're being broken, God is working with you. You know that I'm thankful that every time I can go to a church service like, God, here I am, do what you want. You ever been to a chiropractor? What is he doing? He's snapping. He or she is snapping that cartilage and the joints and everything. What are they doing? They're doing that to put you back together so that you're, you came in crooked. Not spiritually, right? But you came in crooked and you walk out straight. And that's exactly what God is doing. Now, God's not a chiropractor, but God wants to make us. The preacher said, if you're being broken, God is working with you. He's making something. Something that will someday astound you with its wisdom and beauty. Watch out, he'll break it. You know, when you give something to a child, you might kind of look and say, what's he going to do? You know, that's exactly why we should, we should, when we give something to Jesus... We should wonder, what's God going to do with that? What's God going to make that into? And you know that the Bible says the first thing he'll do, he'll break off your sins. You know that that's in a wonderful thing. God will break off your sins. I'm reminded of Daniel when he spoke to the king. He told the king, break off your sins by what? Righteousness. There's something that Jesus does in our lives. He breaks off our sins. And what's the power that God uses to break off our sins? The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 18, Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. The first thing that Jesus will do if we give him our life, Jesus will break off your sins. Now we have part, Jesus will break off the power of it and we'll break off the practice of it. That's why we're involved in this. God's not going to remove the bottle from your hand. He's not going to take the drugs out of, uh, out of your mouth. He'll say, you know what? 
I'm going to give you a new desire. I'm going to give you a new, uh, a new focus in your life. You're not going to be bound by that anymore. And when they come calling, say, preacher, but I think the real desire for men and women, if we get this world educated, that's going to fix it. Brethren, I appreciate education. I love education. I'm reading a book about math right now. My daughter, her full career right now is education. She's majoring in education. She goes to school. So, but you know, I believe in education. It's important. Education won't change a heart. It won't change a heart. I read about a place today, a place full of education. It's a place called New York City. And I read uh, about three very accomplished people in New York City. I think one of them was a Harvard grad. Uh, his partner was about to have a baby. Uh, Another one was a lawyer, young lawyer, accomplished, uh, immigrant, part Iranian, immigrant, first-year lawyer, and then the other lady was a social worker. Well, they had all ordered cocaine from a delivery service, and this is not a joke. It actually happened. And they, they have Uber. Well, in New York, they've got drug delivery. You can order cocaine with a text. And so all three of these people died the same night. These three accomplished Hardworking, one man, his father was from Zimbabwe, went to Harvard, you know, ran five miles, fit. You can look up the article, but it was laced with fentanyl when they found out. All these people died on the same night. And you say, Preacher, why would such young, hardworking, attractive people? Be on drugs. Because you see our old nature, there's nothing that will satisfy you that's down here. But you see, although you've got monetary success and you've got physical success, there's nothing that reaches down into your heart like the power of Jesus Christ. And until you find it, you're going to keep searching and you're going to look for that high and you're going to look for that girl or that guy or that something else. Well, brethren, what they found was a dead-end road and they were all murdered by fentanyl but I'm thankful today when you come to Jesus Christ God will break off that desire to sin and he'll give us a desire to give our life to Jesus Christ and God will give you righteousness you know that I'm thankful that God will make a change in us so I don't have to prove myself but the blood of Jesus Christ which was shed on the cross will make me accepted in the beloved. You see, a lot of times we're, so, we're searching for something that will make us something. Well, God, there's a righteousness which is of faith. You see, the old Jew, the Jewish law, they would have to do certain things. It was the righteousness of the law. And they thought that they could be righteous by what they did. But Paul said in Romans chapter 9, or Romans chapter 10, he said they were ignorant of God's righteousness. And the Bible says, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And then Paul began to say, you know, God doesn't want you to come to church. I don't go to church to be a Christian. I go to church because I am a Christian. I don't, I don't love my wife because uh, to be a Christian. I love my wife because I repent of my attitude and... You know. <laughs> Well, I was thinking of I was thinking wrong thoughts, and uh, I thought of that scripture: "Love your enemy." Hmm. It's Matthew chapter five and verse forty-four. And I thought, well, at least I could treat my wife like an enemy. <laughs> at least I can love my wife. 
You know, say, preacher, what are you talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're not married. But you know that God will break off those sins of, uh, I have to do it to be a Christian. And we'll find that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Instead of like Moses' law, you're righteous by what you do. But by Christ's law, you're righteous because of who he is. It's the end of your righteousness and it's the start of Christ's righteousness. Because when you become a Christian, Christianity is not a church. Christianity is a person that when you invite Jesus Christ into your life. Now let me tell you, I grew up I've never done drugs, right? But I'm thankful. It's like this one person, they said, I'm glad for all the drugs that my parents did. So what do you mean? They drug me to church and they drug me to do my homework and they drug me out of bed. But I'm thankful that when I was offered, I was, I was not a Christian, but we were in a foreign country and you could buy drugs. And my, 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 some of my cousins, they went and bought some, some drugs and they said, hey, you want some? Now, I wasn't a Christian but I'm thankful that my parents raised me and I didn't see them doing drugs. And I said, you know, no thanks. Thank God, because in foreign countries, they can actually execute you if you're found with drugs, right? But, but I'm thankful that when Jesus Christ saved me, there were other drugs that I didn't need anymore. Because you see, there's all kinds of drugs in this world. There are things that we use to change and it might not be something you ingest. It might be something that you watch. It might be something that you do with another person to try to get that satisfaction of life. But Jesus will give you a satisfaction that's so much greater that you won't have to look. He'll break off the sins. He'll break off the desire to sin. And that you can find a freedom that is in Jesus Christ. You know, one of the greatest things of knowing Jesus Christ is knowing his righteousness is in you. A preacher, I don't deserve it. None of us do. But that's the very promise of Christianity, that the righteousness of Christ would come in your life. The Bible said, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. What? That means that you and God are on speaking terms. Righteousness means an equality. That's the thing that's really in the, in the news today. That one, you know what an equation is? That means that both sides of this equal sign are the same. And when you get saved, I know this is crazy, but that's exactly what it says, that you and Christ are equal in righteousness. The Bible said, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Preacher, I can't believe that. But it's exactly what Jesus does when he breaks off our sins and makes you a new creature, a new creation, and that old things, they're passed away. He broke them off and they've gone downstream. And behold, all things are become new and all things are of God. They're righteous. Watch out. He'll break it. He'll break off your sins. But the next thing he'll do, he'll break off that old attitude. God will, have you ever had a bad attitude? No, no, I have. You're like, stumbling around. You know that sometimes that, that attitude, and we all face it, right? We all face the challenge of a good attitude, right? And I know because I have a daughter and I'm like, as a parent, you're like, how do I steer the kid's attitude? And I found out that, you know, punitive works, but carrots work better. I found out that if I can put, you've never found that out? I mean, you can take everything away. One person I heard that, uh, I don't know if it was a Christian parent, but they took the door off their kid's room. The door. 
So she couldn't be in there alone. It was like a teenage daughter or something. Wow. Talk about <laughs> privacy. It's like you're in the military, right? There's no privacy in the restroom. But you know, I'm thankful that God, he doesn't break off our old attitude with a negative, but he breaks it off with a positive. When we come to the house of God, I don't know if you've ever been to the house of God, and uh, uh, the Bible said that Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. When Jesus' body was broken, it's so that ours could be put together. When I come to the house of God, I realize that God can heal. Not only can He heal bones, but God can heal families, and God can heal relationships. But you see that God breaks off that old attitude, and I realize, wait a second, have you ever had God pop a bubble and Man, I'm just not in a bad mood anymore. You know, and I've seen it with my daughter. I'll just, I'll say the right thing. And she's kind of like, stomping around the stairs. And I said, hey, honey, this. And she'll go, ring. And, and, and like the smile will come back on her face. And I'm like, wow. You know, we have, an, we have a power in our life to just change our attitude. Did you know that? We have the power in our life to just change our attitude. Because I've seen my daughter do it. From like, hey, it's everything's good. You know that the thing that Jesus can do is he can break that battle that we're going through, that, that spiritual battle. Maybe you're depressed about something. Maybe you're worried about something. But when I come to the house of God, that psalmist said, then I went into the sanctuary. You know, when you go into the sanctuary, it's more than a place. It's a place where God said, hey, everything's going to work out for the good. You know, you don't have to worry about, have you ever worried about something? Let me, let me tell you, it's statistically proven that most of the things you worry about are never going to happen. So you're going to at least be disappointed, okay? It's like, man, I thought this was going to happen, and I thought that was going to happen. Like, they told me about a car part that I didn't really have a budget for to fix, and I'm like, well, I stressed about it for a little while, and then I'm like, nah, we'll just keep driving. I know that that's fatalist, right? But we got here. But you know that you can worry about this. Let me tell you, every one of your cars is going to end up in a junkyard. But that doesn't stop me from going to church. I know that my body's getting older, but it doesn't stop me praising God. Because God broke me of my battle. And I have victory in Jesus. And I've got one more day to say, wait a second. I'm a believer. Moses broke those tablets. And I need to break my battle. In Jesus, I can be made free. He broke my battle. You know that sometimes we just need to let Jesus break off that attitude and break off that battle and say, man, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I'm not going to stop worshiping Jesus. Break off. He'll break off our sins. Jesus will break off. You don't have to sin. He'll break off your attitude. But I'm thankful the last thing that God, you know, God never stops working on. He's always doing something to us. I told my wife the other day I was kind of tight in my neck and said, honey, come on, get your, you know, get your fingers in there. And so she was pushing down, trying to loosen up those muscles and it hurt, but it felt good at the same time because I knew that the muscles needed to get loosened. Otherwise I was going to get a headache, right? But it's like, that's exactly what God does when you come to church. He's going, and you're like, oh, it hurts so good. God, deal with my heart. Why? Because I want God to deal with me. I want God to break something off me. The last thing that God, you see, God's never going to stop. Because he loves you. God, when he breaks things, he's going to break off average. He's going to break off 
average. What do you mean? Have you ever seen someone, they say, you know what, that's good enough for government work. You see someone do something halfway, there's other ways to describe it, which I won't, I won't talk about, but you've heard things that people like, you know, you've heard of average service, you go get an average dinner, maybe you have an average marriage and you've got an average car. You know that I'm thankful that God breaks off average. You know, the Bible said that we approve things that are what? Excellent. They say, wait, that isn't good anymore. You know, I'm thankful. That when God begins to work on our life, there might be things that are in a gray area that we're just not comfortable with anymore. I remember when Reverend Patterson preached years ago, there was a lady in church. She's Christian. And now, look, it doesn't say that smoking is a sin expressly in the Bible, okay? You're not going to hell because you smoke a cigarette. But preacher, it's bad for you. So are Twinkies, okay? (laughs) So preacher, you know that a lot of people die from uh, uh, heart-related issues for the regular diet that they have. It's, I don't know, smoking's bad, okay? But I'm not saying that it's going to send you to hell. She was a Christian. But you know, when God saves you, he gives you a desire to do something above average. And so Reverend Patterson was preaching a message. This sister, she came up to the altar, and she went to pray, and when she got up, I think it was so many years ago but like two packs of cigarettes right there on the altar and we joke that reverend patterson took a pack and i took a pack and no i've never smoked but, but uh you know what god must have been dealing with the heart you know you're better than that that's right Amen. god loves you more than that you don't have to do that and she quit smoking right there in a church service Just quit smoking. Why? Because she realized that God had a better than average life. He had a better than average desire. He had a better better than average outlook. And he wanted her to look at herself as someone special. God doesn't want to take your fun away. God wants to make your life better. But as my wife comes to the piano, I remember the preacher preached and gave an illustration of mountain climbers. How mountain climbers would climb up mountains. And they have these things called a chalet. You know what a chalet is? It's like a little cabin or something. Well, these mountain climbers would reach the chalet and they would, they would take off. They would take off their gear and they would take off their boots and they'd warm themselves right by the fire. And they would feel comfortable. And they'd kind of reconsider, say, man, I'm so comfortable. I don't know if I want to go the rest of the way up. There's a word. There's a word we use in English called mediocre. You know what that word means? It means halfway up the mountain. So many times we get halfway up the mountain to mediocre. And we're like, man, I put a lot of effort into this. I'm kind of tired. I don't know if I want to go any farther. It's comfortable. The fire's roaring. Everybody else is average. You ever heard all those echoes? Nobody else. Everyone else is littering. Everyone else is cheating on their taxes. I want to be. But you know what? God didn't save you to be mediocre. 
He didn't save you to stop halfway up the mountain. He didn't save you to stop reading your Bible. Well, I've read that before, but I need to read it again so I can explain it to somebody else. I need to invite someone else. Well, that person said no, but you know what? I was one of the people that said yes. I remember that I'm thankful that God is still working in hearts and God is going to work on us to say, I'm not done yet. I'm going to break you of average. Son, daughter, begin to realize that God has a greater purpose and a greater desire. And you know that with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you have a child that's training for the Olympics, you don't let stuff slide. They got a bedtime and and they've got things that they eat and things they don't eat and places they go and places they don't go. Why? Because they're destined for greatness. You know, I believe that God is the same way. God deals with every little aspect of your life. The hairs of your head are numbered. Why? Not because... He doesn't care, but because he does. Because you're destined for an eternal throne. You're destined for greatness. You're destined for good things. And God said, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just manage every part of your life because I love you so much. I'm gonna head you in from sin. I'm gonna give you blessings and I'm gonna break off average. I'm not gonna let you rest with doing it just enough, but I'm gonna raise my level of expectation that's in your heart. And brethren, that's from God. Because when you come to Jesus, you realize you're not the same as who you were. That you're more in Christ. And then I need to walk, as my wife said, I need to walk daily with Jesus. And God will help me to walk into excellence. Brethren, in everything that you do, and you'll notice God said, no, that's not, that's not child. I want you to do something a little bit more because I'm going to break off average. I broke off your sins and I broke off your battle. And you know what? This morning, let's find a place to pray. Let's let Jesus break something off. <laughs> let's let him break off a battle. If there's a particular thing holding you down, let him break it off. Say, God, here it is. Snap it off. I'm just going to give it to you. And if you're a Christian... Maybe I say, preacher, but I go to church once in a while. I go to, I read my Bible once in a while. God said, you know what, child? I'm going to break off average. I'm going to break off average and let God make you go to excellence. Spiritual excellence. Because that's the kind of God. We approve things that are excellent where God says, well done. Good and faithful servant enter thou into the joy of thy lord father i preached your word lord we can watch out because you'll break whatever we give you and we can trust you to have your way and your will in this altar call in jesus name as you sing sister that you will speak to our hearts in this time of prayer, God. Lord, that you'll speak to one and speak to all, God, because we all need to break off average. We all need to break off something in our lives. And God, if we could just give it to you and let you be the Lord of it, God, you'll break it off. (laughs) Maybe it's a relationship you need to break off. Maybe it's a thing. Just give it to Jesus and let God have a part to break it off and give you something much better 
this place. Lord, we glorify you. For whatever God it takes, God. in our lives, Jesus. Have your way, God. Oh. 